Good afternoon, everyone. I hope everyone's having a fantastic Monday. I know, I know it's the start of the work week. Most people don't like Mondays. Me personally, I've come to embrace Mondays and um, enjoy them for what they are, you know, because I, you know, if you don't learn to appreciate Mondays, the rest of your week just pretty much goes to shit. But that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about professional wrestling. And as I was uh, eating, I was just getting some food in my system. I was looking at uh, on my tablet over at uh, WrestlingInc.com, and there were uh, about two or three articles that I saw were quite interesting that I wanted to uh, talk about. Uh, the first one that immediately caught my eye, and this is actually an interesting one. Uh, this was actually from uh, written by Mark Middleton. Uh, I believe it came out today. Uh, Vince McMahon was reportedly in talks to sell the XFL before reviving it. We all know that Vince McMahon is going to be going, bringing uh, back the XFL next year uh, to the delight of many people due to the fact that we now, we know that Triple H will be taking over the reins and we, and you and I and everyone else that just despises Vince McMahon for his booking decisions are pretty excited, you know, as we count down the months until Vince McMahon steps away and Triple H takes the reins, the keys to the Ferrari, and starts bringing WWE back to prominence. Even, even with the whole, because of NXT, he's been killing it. But let's get into this article real quick. Vince McMahon was in talks to sell the XFL name and assets for $50 million, according to a new report from sports business reporter Darren Ravel. And if you haven't never heard of Darren Ravel, um, I would definitely follow him on Twitter. He knows his stuff when it comes to sports business. He, he is a very smart dude. And I've learned a lot of stuff about like, you know, with him talking about baseball cards and certain contracts. He really knows his stuff in the sports business world. So I, I would say he's a great follow. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're moving on with the article. Revelled to the Twitter today and reported on Robert Vanich. I hope I'm saying that last name correctly. And if I'm not, I apologize. Suing the Alliance of American Football and Charlie Ebersole, Vanich alleges that he came up with the AAF and because of that, he's entitled to 50% ownership. The lawsuit filing reveals that the original plan was for the AAF to bring back the XFL name for their new football league. They had talks with Vince McMahon to use the XFL name and purchase assets from WWE and NBC for $50 million. AAF officials met with Vince, and that's when Vince decided to bring back the XFL on his own. Ravel wrote, and I quote, Charlie Ebersole and the new football league, the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, have been sued by Robert Vanditch, who said it was his idea to come up with the league, with the league and was entitled to 50% ownership. Vanditch says agreement with Ebersole was ignored, seeks money, and wants his name part of its history. In lawsuit against AAF, Charlie Ebersole, Robert Vanich, who believed he had a handshake agreement with Ebersole, said much of what he founded about the league was later credited to partner Bill Polian. Exhibit in lawsuit shows that AAF originally planned to use XFL name and purchase assets from WWE and NBC for $50 million. AAF met with Vince McMahon, and he decided to start the league on his own. And quote, We don't know if Vince had been thinking about bringing the XFL back, before the talks with AAF officials. Charlie's father, legendary former NBC Sports chairman Dick Ebersole, was featured in ESPN's 30 for 30 documentary on the XFL from 2017. 
And that was a really solid documentary documenting the, I believe it was the one and only season of the XFL. Uh, I love that documentary. I watched it a couple times, actually, and I really enjoyed the documentary as a whole. I think there was one story, if I can remember this correctly, that they were, I think it was like the first game they had. And they were concerned about the production of the show. And all of a sudden, it immediately went blackout for, I say, like, like five, ten minutes or something around that time. And it was the craziest time that they ever had trying to make sure that the no, it was actually because um, I think one of the generators went out and they had to go to their backup generator and they were trying to get that all rigged up and taken care of. So they can get the feedback onto NBC station. That was a wild story. Um, if you've never seen that, and if you were something, and if you were a fan of the XFL like I was, um, definitely uh, you could probably find it on uh, ESPN.com or uh, probably try to find it on uh, ESPN Plus. I'm sure they have it somewhere in the 30 for 30 documentaries. A great documentary. I would definitely recommend checking that out. Well, uh, getting back into the article, uh, Charlie Charlie served as the director. The special featured a scene at the end where Vince and Dick talked football over dinner, with Vince teasing a possible football project in the future. Dick worked with Vince to launch the original XFL back in 2000. Vince sold $100 million worth of WWE stock to launch Alpha Entertainment as the parent company of the league in 2017 and reportedly told people that he expected to spend an estimated $500 million in the first three years of operations. WWE is a minority owner of the league. The XFL will relaunch in 2020 on Saturday, February 8th, and Saturday, February 9th, the weekend following the NFL Super Bowl. And there were a couple of tweets that came out, uh, pretty much stating what I had say, uh, saw uh, stated earlier in the article. But that's a very interesting thing that we may not have gotten the XFL back. Um, this time around, I'm not really too excited about the XFL, given the fact that we have the uh, the AAF right now. Uh, if you haven't really checked out the AAF the, uh, at all, I've actually checked out the first couple of weekends of AAF. And I have to say, I'm very impressed with the product they've been putting out. I know Trent Richardson, uh, formerly of the Indianapolis Colts, is in the league. I believe Matt Asiata is back in there. Kenneth Farrow. There are a couple names. There, Of course, we have the story with Colin Kaepernick uh, wanting $20 million to, make, to actually play in the AAF which I thought was an absolute joke of a deal to make. And the deal was never made. They weren't even trying to do that when most of the AAF guys are getting like five, six figures for the season. So that's neither here nor there. But it's quite interesting that we may never have gotten the XFL and Vince McMahon would still be controlling operations in terms of booking and everything else. So if anything... It's, I'm, I'm kind of breathing a sigh of relief that we are getting the XFL because we all know it's going to be taken away from Vince McMahon booking Raw and SmackDown shows as well as WWE pay-per-views in 2020 since his main focus is going to be towards the league itself. As far as like the, the Vantage Ebersol situation, that's an interesting situation. And I know I, I'm, I'm old school. I guess I, I I'm a millennial, but I do have an old school mindset in terms of professional wrestling and also of like um, certain things. And in my honest opinion, a handshake does mean a lot, especially if, you know, you two have an agreement over something, you know, as long as a witness was president, oh, president, a witness was present, you know, there that it is somewhat of a, a verbal contract. 
Uh, I'm not a lawyer by any means, so don't take, you know, my word for it. Take it with a huge grain of salt. But usually when two people have a handshake agreement, it does mean something to those two men. And if that is the case, if that was the case, I'm not sure how well that would work in court. I know he is suing for, you know, his, to have his stake in the company. It's pretty interesting to see what happens, but knowing that we may not have gotten the XFL, I don't know how many of you are actually excited about the 2020 uh, revival of the XFL. I mean, I'm not really interested in it. Yes, I love football. I'm a huge fan of football. I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan. And, you know, I always wish that we could have football year round. Even back in the days when I was a kid, they had NFL Europe. That was, and they had it during the springtime. It was really cool to just sit down on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon and just watch like the Frankfurt Galaxy playing the uh, Scottish Claymores or the uh, Amsterdam Admirals playing. It was a really cool, it was a really cool league. And for, I think there was uh, a two year thing that they had with that. So, I, for some of us, I, I believe, you know, we're breathing a sigh of relief that Vince McMahon is stepping away. But this could be a situation. If anything else comes up with that, I'll definitely make sure to follow up on that for sure. As much as I possibly can. This next article was an interesting one. I haven't read it yet. And usually I like to gloss over it just a tad bit before I talk about it. Because I want to kind of have an idea of, like, just make sure I have an opinion about it, but this is really this really caught my eye. Uh, indie wrestler on finding out he's HIV positive, never submitting a blood test on the Indies. That is quite interesting. This was actually uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this last name. I swear to God, uh, Robert Gunier. Gunier. I apologize. I'm terrible with last names. Hell, even my last name, which I'm not gonna give y'all. Uh, is quite hard to pronounce and has been butchered eight ways to Sunday. I promise you it has. Um, so let's get into it. Adam Bueller, who has spent recent years competing in brutal death matches for promotions like Independent Wrestling Association, Mid-South. Uh, you never heard of IWA Mid-South. That produced names like Eddie Guerrero, CM Punk. I believe Rey Mysterio had a match. I believe it was, there was a triple threat match between Guerrero, Mysterio, and CM Punk. Uh, I know CM Punk was a longtime champion of IWA Mid-South, and he and Cole Cabana had done matches as well with that and resistance pro wrestling. I never heard of that. Took time to speak with Wiggy Wagowski. That's a name about the moment he discovered he was HIV positive. Bueller also went into detail about how he has personally handled his diagnosis as he looks toward the future. What originally started out as a growth in his armpit quickly unraveled into a, a collection of serious health issues for Bueller. Upon the getting the growth examined, Bueller was told by doctors that he was suffering from a cancer of the immune system called non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He immediately began radiation chemotherapy to combat the cancer cells. However, unusually low numbers of white blood cells prompted concern from doctors. Uh, and I quote from Bueller, I noticed a lar very large growth in my armpit that got to be probably about the size of a baseball, he began. It wasn't going away on its own. Went and got it checked out. They told me that I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is cancer essentially in the immune system. So I had to pretty much immediately undergo treatment for that. That, for obvious reasons, kept me out of wrestling for a long time. While things were starting to look good, I got through chemo, and now I was moving on to radiation. My white blood cell count wasn't getting to where it was supposed to, end quote. As Bueller's health depleted, he was moved to a new hospital for further tests. 
There, they told Bueller that the state he was in could be attributed to a case of pneumonia that he also developed in his time battling cancer. One final series of tests revealed that he was actually HIV positive. Holy shit. For Bueller, the most devastating part of this information was realizing that his career in wrestling was coming to an end. Um, and this is uh, quoting Bueller again. So they couldn't continue radiation because my body couldn't handle it. Then I started getting short of breath, almost to the point where I couldn't breathe. I could barely move around and it just got worse and worse and worse. They tested me for a lung infection at first. Then they found out through testing that, hey, you have pneumonia. I mean, that explains some of it. But then they said, just so you know, the type of pneumonia that you have is commonly associated with this other thing that we're going to test you for now. The next day, they came up and told me officially that I was, in addition to having pneumonia, in addition to having cancer, that I am also HIV positive, Bueller revealed. So that was in the mid-December. You would think I'd be bummed out about that because that's my favorite thing about being HIV positive is getting to do that South Park joke. So when I found out, my first thought was, thank God this isn't the 90s anymore, first of all. And second of all, oh my God, I can't wrestle now. That's it. I'm done now. End quote. Although it may be very well, it may very well be the case in other independent wrestling promotions, Bueller revealed that he never once was required to submit a blood test to the companies he has worked for. Furthermore, Bueller stated that the yeah, words are hard. That the proposition of providing a blood test to compete was never even brought up to him during his time competing in a squared circle. Uh, another quote from Bueller: "I have never given anyone a record of a blood test ever at all ever. No promoter has ever gotten blood test results from me." Bueller emphasized. And I know that there are places where it's like, oh, we make sure that we blood test everyone. We make sure that they don't wrestle in that type of environment if we can't prove their blood is clean. I've never even so much have been asked to submit a blood test. Like it wasn't one of those, hey, we need a blood test from you. Oh, shoot, there's not enough time. Oh, I'm sure you're fine. Anyway, never mind. No one ever even asked me for my blood test. But then again, people who may not know me personally, ironically enough, I'm just as a risk for having something in me as you would think that I would which is very minimal. I'm about as nerdy as they get. I'm not social. I don't do drugs. So really, what could I have? So maybe it wasn't a concern, end quote. Bueller thinks that the state he is built from, Indiana, has a lot to do with this reckless booking of stars. He notes how the State and Athletic Commission of Indiana has absolutely no rules or guidelines for the sport of professional wrestling. Jesus Christ. Wow, that is a really big deal, and that is a huge Huge mistake on the account of the State Athletic Commission of Indiana. That's really bad. Um, continuing on with this article, this is actually, uh, I can I can continue on. Now he says, I think, and I quote, I think for a long time Indiana didn't have a State Athletic Commission. They have one now, but I know Indiana they don't govern pro wrestling at all. So a lot of places the State and Athletic Commission has no involvement in the pro wrestling side of things. That's another thing, is not having any kind of guidelines on that short of either set by the company itself or people just kind of policing themselves. It's very possible that things like that could exist in that world, end quote. At the end of the day, Bueller remains uncertain about where the roots of his HIV positive diagnosis led. He is under the impression that it wasn't contracted in any situations involving pro wrestling. He says uh, another quote here. I still don't really know for sure where this really came from. It could have come from wrestling. It could have come from me being involved with someone that I shouldn't have. And I'm kind of leaning more towards that. From what the doctors said, 
There's a possibility now that this might be terrifying for a lot of people, which is something that I said in the video. That the doctor said that when they found my blood counts, that I may have had this for years before they found it. It may have just been dormant. I didn't get into death matches until 2015. So it was just the last three years of my career. So I never really gave it much thought because of that. I don't think I got it from someone in wrestling, but then again, I'll also never know, end quote. Because of experience with local promotions, Bueller admits that he held on to some hope that he maybe he could be booked on some non-death match local wrestling shows following his diagnosis. He even established a plan to go to a quick finish if something like a busted nose or a cut lip were to occur, which is actually a very good thing, considering the fact that he is HIV positive. I actually considered when cancer was fully treated and everything to continue to wrestle, at least non-death matches, of course, but locally, Bueller explained. And the reason I decided to say local is be entirely of a stigma because doctors told me flat out, there's nothing your HIV will prevent you from being able to wrestle without the blood involved. Of course, promoters would have to be comfortable with booking me. Wrestlers would have to be comfortable with working with me. And part of the reason that I want to remain local and continue to do this, for one, I built a rapport with people in this area. I'm a trustworthy guy and they know that I'm not doing anything for selfish reasons. I'm continuing to still wrestle. That will put them in jeopardy whatsoever. I wouldn't even consider if there was a possibility of something happening. End quote. To Bueller, traveling outside of local promotions doesn't seem worth the potential risk of tarnishing any company's name. Even with advances in medicine and a greater knowledge of the virus, there still remains a stigma around HIV that Bueller fully recognizes. And this is his last quote to end the article here. And there's more on the article. Um, I believe it was on, it's on SoundCloud. Um, you know, and I'm going to make sure, and I actually said this right here. Um, I'm, I'm going to credit Wiggy Wigowski for all of this because it does say if you use any of the quotes in this article, please credit Wiggy Wigowski. Oh, HG2 Wrestling Incorporated for transcription. So I am crediting uh, Wiggy Wigowski for all of this. You know, just want to put it out there. This is all Wiggy Wigowski on this one. But his last thing, if something happens where, you know, busted nose, busted lip or something, well, that's an easy, okay, we just take it home immediately, Bueller continued. Like, roll up right then and there regardless of what's going on, and then clean up the mat and business as usual. Nobody's at risk. Pretty much everybody that I've talked to, which isn't many people, but everybody's like, yeah, I wouldn't see anything wrong with that. A number of people I've asked said they would, that they would still be comfortable with working with me. Even people after I did the video reached out to me and said, man, you just named the time and place, I'll get in there with you. Which I thought was very cool, and all the local promoters that I've worked with out here they were comfortable with working with me or continuing to book me. I wouldn't necessarily do traveling shows because, again, the stigma. All it takes for me is to go out and work VOW again or work for GCW or something in a non-death match. Somebody gets wind of, oh, hey, this guy, this place is booking guys that are HIV positive. Next thing you know, their reputation is completely ruined because of what mis people misunderstand about HIV and quote. That's a very, in that's a very interesting article. Um, I mean, it's one thing to do death matches as it is. I mean, if you you watch guys like Jimmy Havoc, Mark Haskins, any person that's been in CZW, uh, Matt Tremont, uh, DJ Hyde, I'm trying to think, man, what's the, uh, I'm a, uh, shit. Jonathan Gresham, I think at one point was in the, uh, CZW. You know, you know, Dan Zand, you know, Zandig, all these guys. It's insane. And I know that there's a lot of blood that goes on with these uh, death matches. 
I, for one, shy away from it a little bit because, you know, it does get to a point where it gets very, very bad. And, and me, per, me, you're not lying to you. You're listening to a person who laughs at horror flicks, okay? But it, there, everyone does have a line. Everyone does have a line where it's just like, that's too much. Death matches to me personally, especially like those in Japan or, so, or something to that effect, it's a little too much for my taste personally. That's not to say that's, that's not someone else's you know, shot of whiskey or cup of tea. Um, but for a long time after watching some CZW, like early, like back in the day, I kind of shied away from it. I still do to this day. Sometimes, you know, when you know, the WWE, NXT or anything like that, to put on notice qualifications, mentions something like that. I can get for it because 90% of the time they're very careful with what they do. And in terms of, you know, bloodshed, it's very minuscule. Rarely do you see bloodshed in WWE matches unless it's just like a, a, a crazy happenstance, something just, you know, popped out of nowhere. That was a very interesting article. Um, very interesting article. And that was, that was, uh, and I, I wish the best for, you know, Bueller. Um, I hope is I hope he does get better. I mean, I mean, you are HIV positive. I uh, just hope you take care of yourself, man. And if people still want and the fact that people still want to, are willing to work with him is pretty cool. You know, they are still like, you know what, you know, if something does happen, go to a quick finish, roll up all that one, two, three, let's get the hell out of there, clean the ring and we'll keep it going. The final article. And I want to make sure I find it because I thought it was pretty funny. Let's see if I can find it here. Yep, found it. Oh my god. Oh, Miss uh, Miss Sunny. Uh, between myself, Kevin, and Nick, she had been a solid running joke for an entire year. An entire year, and she is now becoming a joke once again because WWE Hall of Famer. Tammy Sonny Sitch was arrested in my home state of New Jersey. Uh, let's. <laughs> it, 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 it writes itself, people. The jokes write themselves. Uh, sources at PW Insider have learned that WWE Hall of Famer Tammy Sonny Sitch was arrested in Freehold, New Jersey. Actually, not too far from where I used to live. Um, yesterday. Sitch currently remains incarcerated at the Monmouth County Corrections facility. I know exactly where that is, as we anticipate further details about her arrest. A bench warrant was apparently issued for Sitch in the state of Pennsylvania on 215 as well. On that day, the Carbon County Probation Department, I can't talk today, I swear, and I was talking, I don't work all day, started the process to revoke Sitch's October 8, 2018 parole. Court records indicate that Sitch paid a $120 fee in the months of October and November 2018 to begin reimbursing the state of Pennsylvania for the cost in her legal cases. Since then, Sitch reportedly did not make any additional payments. Sonny's legacy as a performer has been accompanied by run-ins with the law for a few years now. In October 2018, Sonny was released from jail after serving the necessary time for failing to appear in court following her two DUI arrests in New Jersey the same year. Prior to that, Sonny had also been booked for DUI on three separate occasions in Pennsylvania. She was arrested for DUI on May 30th, 2015 in Mahoning Township, Pennsylvania, after police witnessed her driving erratically into a Walmart parking lot. She was then arrested again in Lehighton, Pennsylvania on June 1st, 
damn, she the day shit. Two days after you just wow. 2015 after her car crossed the center yellow line multiple times then entered oncoming traffic at the time she was unable to provide proof of insurance or a valid driver's license sunny was then arrested again on june 20 2015 not even a whole month in toa mensing township pennsylvania after crashing her car into a ditch she told police that her gps told her to make a sudden turn and that's why she turned wide into a ditch Following her arrest and among other consequences, Sonny was sentenced to five years probation with bi-weekly alcohol testing, 125 hours of community service, and $2,100 in fines. She was released but warned by the judge that she would be in trouble if she had any more issues during her five years of probation. And 18 days into the probation, Sonny was arrested in Northampton County, Pennsylvania. She pled guilty to driving without a license, driving an unregistered vehicle, operating a vehicle without insurance, displaying license plate on a car to which they didn't belong, operating a vehicle without proper inspection, and driving without evidence of an emission inspection. Holy fucking shit. Lady. Sunny's troubles continued when she was rushed to a hospital in Palmerton, Pennsylvania on September 12, 2016. She was then charged with possession of alcohol and being under the influence of alcohol, which led to a probation violation. She was then released from the hospital on September 20th and arrested again three days later after she was brought back to the hospital and police were called to her home. That experience would also see Sunny charged with being under the influence of alcohol, yet another probation violation. Sunny was then taken into custody from the hospital and taken to the Carmen County Correctional Facility. She was locked up for five months and paroled in February 2017. We'll keep you updated as details unfold about Sitch's most recent. Oh my fucking lady! So th- somebody need to go to rehab. For real, for real. I'm sure Kevin and Nick probably found this out. They haven't spoken about it yet. They probably talked about it, you know, amongst themselves. But my God. How. I understand you may have a, a problem with alcohol. And as Michael Jordan famously said in a commercial back in the day, stop it. Get some help. AA something. Something. Like you got arrested what? trying to think one two it's, it's more than like four or five it, it, at that point you might want to consider getting some fucking help for your sake for for my home state's sake for the keystone state's sake you might want to lay off the alcohol go to rehab go to aa something because you know, it's going to be, there's going to be a day where you hit the, where you hit the bottle and you, and I mean, yeah, she did crash into a ditch and that could have ended her life. And you wouldn't want that for anybody, you know? I mean, yeah, we could rag on her about, you know, her doing porno and all that shit and what have you, but it does get to a point where it becomes an issue. It really does. And you don't want that. That's the last thing you would, especially, you know, for a family member. Or anything like that. You wouldn't. The last thing you'd want is to find out is to hear a friend of yours died because they, you know, got drunk 
and then, you know, crash into a ditch somewhere or did a head-on collision or anything like that. So I'm saying it on behalf of everybody at the Young Lions perspective and that being myself and my dog Marley, get some help, Tammy. Get some help. Seriously. You 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 gotta you gotta cut that shit out. Because it's gonna get to a point where you get drunk one day and you you, you kill yourself. Or you hurt someone else, and then that's that would be like vehicular manslaughter, depending on what state you're in. And then you're in jail for a lot longer than five months. Just saying. But enough of me rambling. This is episode fifty four of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling Relations Podcast here, and welcome to episode 54 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me on this windy-ass day here in the state of New Jersey. It is windy as fuck. It is really windy, it's cold, and it was just a pain in my ass. But I hope you're enjoying the rest of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for taking this time out of your day to check out this episode of the podcast. I greatly and truly appreciate it. Like I said in the opening, I apologize for not getting this episode out yesterday. Um, There was one thing that I've been racking my mind. I stated in the opening segment, talking about some weird news. um, That Secret Files episode two, I wanted the topic I wanted to speak on about... um, how do I put this? You know, I, it was something that I wanted to speak about before tonight. Um, we all know the, the two big things that are going on. I You, you already know what's going down. Um, if you haven't checked out The Secret Files Episode 2 yet, I may have given you a little hint as to what I'm going to be talking about in that episode. But if you haven't checked out that, checked out that episode yet, please do. Um, if you want to stop this for a second and go back and check that out. It's like a, about a little over a half hour of me talking about a, this particular topic. But if you want to stay tuned and keep it locked to the rest of the episode, I appreciate that as well. And I want to talk about NXT. Well, I always want to talk about NXT because NXT is the shit. And I think personally, it's the number one brand in all WWE, which is right above, which is pretty much above everything else in the freaking world when it comes to the WWE umbrella. Now, I had not, I didn't catch up with NXT and NXT UK the week before, and I was mad. Um, I had a lot of stuff going on, and I wanted to get an episode out, but I never really got a chance to get around to watching NXT and NXT UK. Shit be like that. That's life. So I apologize for not getting that episode out there, but I definitely want to make sure I, uh, you know, got this one back for you guys, because this episode of NXT was absolutely amazing in my honest opinion so the fact that i was already a show behind i wasn't sure about which things were going on but when it's nxt sometimes you just you just you know you you sit down and you're just like i'm gonna get a a good episode no matter if i missed two three episodes you know and i'll catch up with it you know when i can now there were there were only three matches on the car but there were a lot of segments that came out of this as well as we are heading towards take over New York going down on WrestleMania weekend. And before I get into this, I'm going to grab my big ass jug of water and I'm going to sip something. 
There we go. Fruit punch, man. Gotta love it. So let's get into it, people. Let's talk about the opening matchup. Alistair Black versus Roderick Strong. And when I watch this, uh, I appreciate the fact that um, the commentary team of Watson, Ronaldo, and McGinnis broke down what had happened the week prior. And apparently, I believe it was... um. Yeah, Al- Ricochet had a match with it was Ricochet with Adam against Adam Cole last week, and if I'm not mistaken, um, I like I said I don't know who won that match. I am pissed that I did not watch that match, but as far as I know, uh, Alistair Black helped Ricochet against the Undisputed Era. I'm, I'm assuming it was a four on one attack. Alistair Black came out, helped out Ricochet, cleared the ring. Both the men were standing tall. That's what I went off of, but this match was pretty damn good. From what I saw, um, of course, in true fashion, let's, of course, without a story, there is no beginning, right? So, bell rings, Alistair circles in with, with Roderick, Strong go- gets the legs, takes Alistair down. Alistair then counters with a body scissors, and the two start going around, trying to gain position. Strong gets the arm lock, toys with Alistair a little bit. Alistair hits an arm drag and runs Strong over. Fans, of course, behind Alistair, goes for the Irish whip, Strong reverses, Alistair rolls off his back, delivers a nice pair of knees, hits a kick, and then hits another knee. Of course, that four-punch combo, that four-hit uh, combo. Strong was staggering, boots Alistair away. He blocks the next boot, hits him with a back elbow and a nice German suplex, goes for the cover. That got a two-count. Alistair kept his cool. Uh, Strong pulls his hair. Uh, Strong then tosses Alistair out, wrecks him with a nice drop kick. And Strong gets Alistair, hits him with a clean shot. Then back suplex, and this is, this is a really dope spot. He hits a back suplex on Alistair on the steel steps. I don't know. That is pretty damn creative, if you ask me. Um, the one uh, that was kind of remind, like the one other spot that I thought was really dope so far this year was the uh, Elimination Chamber match where Jeff Hardy, I believe, hit a swanton bomb on AJ Styles while AJ Styles was draped across the top turnbuckle. I thought that was crazy. That was a crazy spot, especially the fact that he went off the top of the pot. I had never seen any person hit a back suplex on somebody on the steel steps. I thought that was pretty creative in a really nice spot, and it definitely... Became a part of the story of the match. Strong, of course, has, is known as the Messiah of the Backbreaker. So that def, that move came into play later on in the matchup. Um, the, immediately right after, the, the referee checked on Alistair. Strong continues to club at and throws Alistair back into the ring. He starts he starts his, uh, his attack on the back, stomping on the back, dragging Alistair up by his hair. Hits a fast backbreaker and puts Alistair in a chin lock. Definitely going after the lower back. Of Alistair Black. I mean, with his core, that does help with Black Mass. And if you have a bad bat, that Black Mass may not hit either, may hit, but not as hard, or it won't hit at all because you got to put a lot of torque onto your body for to make a roundhouse kick. If you've done any sort of karate, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, moving on later into the match, Strom keeps on Alistair, uh, ramming him into the apron. He then puts Alistair in, stomps away at him, drags Alistair up, hits the chop in the corner. He then hoists Alistair up on the, up to the top turnbuckle and climbs up to join him, looking like it was going for a superplex. Uh, Alistair resists, strong going for the superplex. He fights back. He slips under and goes for the powerbomb. 
Strong fights back. He slips out and hits another backbreaker. And surprisingly, that only got a two count. He then, uh, he gets another suplex on Alistair. Where am I at? Yeah, he uh, eggs Alistair on as he pulls Alistair up by his hair. He gets a suplex. Alistair actually knees out of it, dodges into the corner, and then but runs into a knee, but comes back with strong elbows. He then sweeps the leg and hits him with a, a couple of knee strikes. He handsprings back up and had to hit a springboard cabrata, which was really, really dope. Um, fans are getting fired up as he uh, gets a waist lock on Strong. Strong then elbows out. Alistair uh, hits a heel kick on Strong. He then uh, Strong then bucks Alistair up and runs into a roundhouse kick, which turns into a brainbuster. That only got a two count. The ending of this match, which I thought was really, really sweet, very clean as well. So we have Alistair goes to the, going to the corner. Alistair hops up. Strong stops him. He then boots Alistair, goes for a torture rack, hits a back big... Oh, bra- Words are hard today, I swear to God. Backbreaker toss at the post. That was ridiculous. He throws Alistair in, goes for the cover. That got a two count. Strong turns Alistair over. He wants the legs. Alistair fights, him, fights out of it. He gets the ropes, gets a guillotine catapult. Strong goes for the Shining Wizard, hits it, and then it hits a back suplex toss. That only got a two count. Strong, the end of the match had seen Strong drag Alistair up, throwing forearms, elbows, goes for a suplex. Alistair somehow slipped out of it, hits Black Mass. One, two, three. Black beats Strong. The ending of this was real clean. The fact that he somehow slipped out of a suplex, had the wherewithal. To, to know, okay, he's in kicking range, hits Black Mass and gets the victory. That was awesome, but that didn't stop there. Um, after the match was over, the rest of the Undisputed Era comes out. Kyle O'Reilly eats Black Mass. Adam Cole and Bobby Fish tackle Alistair and start stomping him out. But here comes Ricochet to return the favor. He then hits a springboards and crossbodies on a Cole and Fish. Of course, returning the favor... Uh, he then Cole, those lines Cole out of the ring, and Alistair takes Fish down with a knee, and uh, and you see Alistair Black and Ricochet standing tall at the end of the segment. Really good match from these two guys. I, I mean, anytime you see Alistair Black match, or or even a Roderick Strong match, you're gonna see the best of those two. And seeing those two together was a really dope match. I really enjoyed that being a solid opener to NXT. Uh, we then saw um, a lot of uh, recruits. Um, you see the horsewomen, uh, Baszler, Jessamine Duke, and Marina Shafir try to bully the new kids, but no one lets them intimidate them. So, it, it, I mean, I think I saw MJ Jenkins, uh, Mia Yim. I think I saw Jessica Elibon at one point. Um, of course, you know, them being what I like to call the Queen's Army, trying to just, you know, bully themselves around, show who, you know, Trying to go along the lines of where Dakota Kai uh, was with Shayna before she stood up to Shayna Baszler. And they had a really good match against each other. So, that was a nice little segment there. And then we saw Bianca Belair uh, cut a nice little promo here. Saying, you know, saying she had a breakout 2018. It was screwed out of being championed by Shayna and the Horsewoman. 
No one can change that can change that her mindset is always undefeated, even though she was only one loss. I like that mindset from her. But she will not let herself be passed up by the genius of the sky, Io Shirai. There's no gracefully stepping aside. They'll all have to wait until she's champion. And if anyone gets in her way, they'll see why she's the EST. I'm telling I said it. I said it. I said it before when I had my last NXT review that it's going to get to a point where Shirai and Belair are going to meet in the ring and they're going to face each other. And that's probably going to determine who the next in line is for NXT TakeOver New York. I mean, you just got to follow the bouncing ball. Got to follow the bouncing ball. Bang, bang, bang. Everything comes together. The stars align. Booyakasha. There you go. That's your deal. If anyone knows me well enough, and if you listen to enough episodes of this podcast, if you've been a day one person, you know I love me some tag team action. And for me, there is no better tournament, besides the Crockett Cup in the NWA, because that's one of the most prestigious tag team uh, tournaments ever in the history of professional wrestling. Ever. They NXT announces they are bringing back the 2019 Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic with the winner getting a shot at the NXT Tag Team Champions, the War Raiders, as long as they're champions, at TakeOver New York. I am so happy that they're doing this, and I believe the uh, tournament begins next week, if I'm uh, not mistaken, uh, as, as it states on here. Now, this is all from thechairshot.com, which is where I usually read my results from. I give them all the credit in the world because they are very detailed in their stuff. Like it says here, the winners are promised an NXT Tag Team Championship against the War Raiders at NXT TakeOver New York. And the first four teams were announced. The Undisputed Eras, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Red Dragon finally coming back together and fighting as a tag team once more. I love these two guys. Red Dragon were one of my, are one of my favorite tag teams ever. Not even lying to you. In, in ROH, they were the best of the best. These two kill it every single time. And if you've never seen O'Reilly and Fish tag up, give it a week. And you were going to see some wonderful action between these two, especially from Bobby Fish. The Forgotten Sons, Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake, will make their appearance in the tournament. The European Alliance of Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. Can we say wild card? Can we say wild card? I'm telling you, wild card. Big time wild card in this tournament. Anyone who's seen enough of NXT UK, you know that Eichner and Bartel are beasts in that ring. And I hope that one day we get the reincarnation of Ring Kampf in NXT UK because we deserve it. And I'm telling you, Ring Kampf is the shit that Matt is Heilig. Yes. So happy that they're in the tournament. And, of course, the, the fourth team to be named was the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. This coming Wednesday, we will find out the last four teams of the tournament. And this is where we kind of get into interesting territory because, of course, we know Undisputed Era is going to be in there. Forgotten Sons have been featured a lot. Eichner and Bartel, Dawkins and Montez Ford. I wouldn't be surprised if only Lorcan and Danny Birch were... I would be surprised if they're not in the tournament. Um, Lorcan and Birch. I'm trying to think of any other tag teams they may have. I was hoping for TM61, but now that uh, Nick Miller got released from the company, that's pretty much a wash. 
they might do Raul Mendoza and Humberto Carrillo. Um, that would be Carrillo. I I I know I'm supposed to roll my R's, but I sucked at Spanish. I did French for three years in high school, so don't don't judge me. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, yeah Mendoza and Carrillo were involved. I'm trying to think of uh, any other tag teams that could be in this tournament. No idea. I mean, I'm, I'm for certain Lorcan, Lorcan and Birch though will be in the tournament. Um, the other three teams, I, it's going to be a wild card, but I, um, but you know, you got to think of the winners that have won the uh, the tournament. Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, Authors of Pain won it uh, in a triple threat match. That was fucking amazing. Uh, I mean, of course, with you know honoring the late great Dusty Rhodes is always the dopest thing ever. I always love the tournament. And of course, tag team wrestling is the shit. NXT makes it prominent. And I can't wait for this tournament to start. I can't wait for the final four teams to be announced. I'm for, like I said, I'm for certain Lorcan and Birch will be in there because they are a dope-ass tag team. And I think now they are solidly going to be in the tournament. I will make... Now, once the last four teams have been named... The next time we talk about NXT and NXT UK, or if I just do an NXT show separately, I will make my pick as to who I think will win the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and face the War Raiders at TakeOver New York. You have my word on that. I guarantee it. Because, it's, like I said, it's one of my favorite tournaments of all year. And, of course, you'll, you'll honor the late great Dusty Rhodes. What's better than that? We then get into Mia Yim versus Zaya Lee. I love me some Mia Yim. I also love me some Zia Lee. So it's kind of, it was kind of like, oh man, this is going to be an interesting matchup. Um, surprisingly, this matchup didn't go as long as I thought they were going to. Uh, but the bell rang. They shake hands to show respect to each other. They tie up. Mia Yim uh, pushes Zaya to the ropes. Mia then throws Zaya, but Zaya holds on and returns the throw. They grapple again and they stand right back up. Mia uh, then uh, wrenches through to a hammer lock into a face lock. Uh, fans are chanting for Mia, but Zaya puts her against the ropes. Uh, Zaya then whips, uh, goes for Irish whip. Mia reverses it, ducks it. Zaya stops herself, then rolls Mia over into a face lock. Um, Mia then powers through to wrench Zaya. Zaya broke free and hits a swing kick on Mia. Uh, Mia backed off real quick to avoid those furious feet. And I'm telling you, Zaya Lee is one of those like low-key underrated talents that I think they have in NXT right now. She had a, a really decent showing in the, um, the Mae Young Classic. Her match with Karen Q, and if you had checked out any, if you haven't checked out any of the um, the coverage I did for the May uh, Mae Young Classic uh, last year, go back and check that out. I hyped up Lee versus Karen Q like it was no tomorrow. I love that match. That was one of my favorite matches in the tournament, hands down. Just for the simple fact that when they bowed, they bowed to each other, they got in fighting stance, and it was go time. I fucking love that match. So it's not surprised. And if you really do, and if you really follow Zia Lee on uh, Instagram, her story is really dope. Um, she does like a lot of her training, uh, hits the bag a lot. Really, really cool chick on there. Very good follow. Um, so getting back into the match, uh, she uh, Zia breaks free, of course, after the swing kicks. Uh, Zia backs up. You know, and you know, Mia starts clapping, saying those were good. Uh, Mia goes for the test of strength. Zaya accepts, and they go shoulder to shoulder. Mia pushing back on Zaya. Mounts for uh, goes for the uh, of course hits a mount, goes for the cover, has both shoulders down, goes for the she lifts one arm up, goes down for the count again, puts the arm back up, and then hits the two count. Zaya hops up, 
Mia avoids the monkey flip. Then roll, and then Zaya rolls Mia up, goes for, gets a two count. They tie up again, and then hits a monkey flip into a sunset flip. That only got a two count. Zaya then kicks Mia right in the chest, goes for the whipster corner to corner. Mia reversed it, only for Zaya to pop, pop up. Uh, Mia then gets under Zaya and hits a shotgun drop kick on the on Zaya. Zaya gets to the corner. Mia says, "Boom!" Hits the cannonball senton. That only got a two count. The ending it seemed. You know, of course, fans were actually applauding um, for both ladies in this matchup. Uh, they start to, Mia starts throwing palm strikes. Zaya blocks the kick to fire off palm strikes on her own. She then kicks Mia's legs out. It's a tornado roundhouse kick. That signature move of hers that I, I've, seriously, if you've never seen her in a match, go back and watch that match with that uh, with Mia. That tornado roundhouse kick is insane. Surprisingly, that got a two count. The ending of this match had seen Zaya Going up in the corner, Mia standing, dodges the rider kick. I guess that's her finishing move. Uh, hits a bat can on Zaya, drags Zaya up, hits the hammer lock for a modified cold breaker. And I love this finishing move that she calls. To all my Wu Tang fans out there, you're going to love this. She calls it Protect Your Neck. One, two, three. Mia Yim defeats Zaya Lee. I love that name. The second that Nigel McGinnis had said it, I'm like Wu Tang vibes. I threw up. A, I literally threw up a W right after that. Uh, Mia, before Mia even starts to celebrate, here come the horsewomen. Uh, Mia fights off Shayna, but Jessamine and Maria outnumber her. They have her in the corner. Uh, they start clubbing and stomping on Mia. And here come Lacey Lane, MJ Jenkins, and Jesse Elobon to take the fight to the horsewomen. But the horsewomen beat the ever living shit out of all three of them. Uh, Shayna hits MJ with a big running knee. Mia comes back down for more. Uh, Maria throws Lacey into the steps. Jessamine hits uh, Elabon with a roundhouse kick. They go back to stopping Mia. They sit her up for Shayna. Uh, she, she actually tells Mia to start respecting the horsewoman. Mia says, I don't respect you. And then hits Mia with a stiff knee right to the face, allowing the horsewoman to stand tall and end the segment. So we might get a little feud, mini feud between Mia Yim and Shayna Baszler. I love the fact that NXT, like, even though we are on the road to take over New York, they do little mini feuds to keep people, you know, because I'm for certain that Shayna will probably defend the title one more time before we get to WrestleMania weekend and uh, take over New York. Oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. Yeah, before we get to take over, I'm for certain we'll probably she'll probably get one more title defense against. Probably, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Mia. Um, if it gets to a point where they need to face each other, I mean, we still have the entire month of March, and I think one episode in April. I think we'll have the go home show. One go home show. One episode. In, uh, actually, no, we'll just go through the entire month of March. I think we may get one more episode uh, in the first week, full week of April, before we get to WrestleMania weekend. So it would not surprise me if that uh, we see Mia Yim versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. Of course, all remains to be seen. We then get Johnny Gargano backstage uh, before his title match with the Velveteen Dream. You know, he gets asked, you know, Candice comes out asking him how he's feeling for his title match tonight. He says he's ready. You know, Candice does. Candice says to Gargano, he knows what he needs to do. 
out comes NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa. He actually said to Gargano, if you need me, I'll be there. He then t- Gargano tells Ciampa he won the North American Championship on his own. So no, he doesn't need Ciampa. He'll just do what he does best. Be Johnny freaking wrestling. Gargano and Candice leave. Ciampa says he'll still be watching. So that was a nice little segment between Gargano and Ciampa. I'm still under the belief that Gargano and Ciampa is going down one last time in New York before uh, this feud before this feud at the moment is all said and done. This has been you got to think of it. You got to really think about this. This has really been going on for like close to 2 years now. Ever since Takeover Chicago 1 if I'm not mistaken. It might have actually been a lot late earlier than that, but I know it goes back to the Cruiserweight Classic. This has been probably one of the greatest feuds I have ever seen in my existence of watching professional wrestling. Gargano and Champa just has that modern day feel of I wouldn't I would see I'm not I'm not really gonna try to compare feuds because then I don't want to sound like like a dick or somewhere along those lines, but it has like one of those like it, it has that it kind of gives you that the Sami Zayn Kevin Owens vibes. You know what I mean in NXT? Where they were best friends. You know, best friends travel the world together. Of course, they were a tag team, uh, DIY. And then became heated rivals, hated each other. Now they're kind of cool, but they're still not cool. You know what I mean? Like, it, I guess a friend of me, if you will. Um, who knows what it is, but I know somewhere down the line, we got to get Gargano Champa one last time. I've talked about this to people, and they're just like, I don't want to see it anymore. I'm like, you need to see it. This doesn't end until they have it end. Whether it be at TakeOver New York or whether it be at, you know, another pay-per-view, who knows. But there will be a conclusion to this feud, but it needs to happen one last time. But we got we to talk about the uh, NXT North American Championship. But first, let's talk about the exclusive interview that they had with Matt Riddle. And I'm really happy about the simple fact that they had Jeremy Borash conduct this interview with Matt Riddle. This is actually pretty cool. And if you haven't really checked out this, um, the Arrival series, I actually watched the Arrival series on the first five or six episodes with uh, Matt Riddle. Um, just talking about, you know, how he got the call. I'm talking about how he was, you know, how he transformed, you know, how he, uh, you know, brought, you know, stopped being in the MMA world and was brought and brought himself over into the uh, world of professional wrestling. He wasn't making much money. Um, all of that. So it was pretty cool to see all of that. If you haven't checked that out, go to the WWE PC page on YouTube. This is a shameless plug. Um, check that out. It is really cool to see, you know, the story of him and his family going down to, you know, driving down to Orlando, uh, finally making it to Orlando, settling in and all his family. It was really cool to watch. And then, so getting into this, um, you know, Borash brought up the fact that, you know, he was very much himself with his flip-flops and casual attire. Um, and he asked him, was there ever a thought to go more the more conservative or formal? I think he was talking about the, um, when he bef- the, I guess his pre-debut when they have him at a takeover. And he said, not at all. You know, he said a long time ago, someone told him that it's better for someone to tell you to tone it down than to raise it up. He says he knows if he ever does reach that point, someone will tell him. Uh, in, in terms of his rivalry with Cassius Ono, 
He said he was glad to have gotten rid of the obnoxious knockout artist, and he was harshing everyone's good time. And now he says he can focus on what's important now. He had a great match with Gulak, Drew Gulak, and he says that's only the beginning. He says he wants any title he can get at, whether it be the North American Championship or the NXT Championship. He says nothing will stop him. Now, I haven't seen the full interview at, interview yet. Uh, I plan on watching it. I do plan on watching it because he's an interesting story. I mean, I know there's a lot of guys who uh, go from the MMA world to you know professional wrestling, going from football to professional wrestling. But Matt Riddle's story is an interesting one. I actually was a fan of his when he was in the UFC. If I remember correctly, he was in the Ultimate Fighter uh, on season. And I really liked his style. I really liked him in, you know, in the cage and fighting. So when I heard he had, you know, come over to the professional wrestling side of things, it got me interested. And, you know, he became, it took him, I believe he said like three or four years before he got the call to NXT, which is really dope. And especially, you know, being uh, involved involved with Evolve Wrestling, uh, feuding with Volter over the Atlas Championship in progress, you know, having really good matches, you know, and now getting the shot to be in NXT. It's really something uh, worth investing in. And I'm a big fan of his, and I can't wait to see what the future does hold for Matt Riddle. Main event time. Johnny Gargano, the NXT North American champion. The Velveteen Dream, winner of the World's Collide Tournament, earning a shot at the NXT North American Championship, bypassing Tommaso Ciampa, and finally earning a shot. I have always stated, and I said this plenty of times, North Velveteen Dream deserves North American gold. I always said, I, as she stated, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd say it a couple times, that the North American Championship was, was made for Velveteen Dream. I believe, if I remember correctly, I actually picked Velveteen Dream to win the NXT North American Championship initially at NXT TakeOver New Orleans. I felt it was his time. I felt at the, at the time he was the most... He had the most momentum. But to see him with the matches that he has had, think about the matches he's had. The... Of course, the six-pack challenge ladder match for the North American Championship matches with Aleister Black, Tommaso Ciampa, Ricochet, EC3, a who's who of names that are in that are the top names in NXT. And now he's getting a shot at the North American Championship. Let's get into it. Of course, introductions are made, belts raised, dueling chance of Velveteen, Johnny Wrestling. They circle fast. Dream goes for the lunges and slides. Still keeps away from Gargano's grip as they go around. Gargano has to drop toehold on Dream. Brings him down. Floats and rolls, but Dream returns the favor. They end up by the ropes. Gargano has to back, has to back off from Dream. Dream dares Gargano to come back. They circle one more time. They tie up. Gargano wrenches into a hammerlock. Gargano shifts to a face lock, but Dream rolls over. Uh, Gargano keeps Dream, but Dream rolls to try and make it a cover. They roll through again. Gargano rear mounts. Dream slips out and gets an arm up on Gargano. They appreciate, of course, fans are dueling chants across for Gargano and Dream. 
Gargano then works into a counter. Gargano gets his arm free, pulls Dream into another hammer lock. Dream resists. Gargano gets the free arm, brings Dream over, goes to the cover, gets a two count. Dream gets up and reverses through to a wrench and a ringer. Champa watches from the... Now, here's the interesting part. Champa watches from the rafters while Gargano is reversing back on the Velveteen Dream. This is a really dope shot that they did a couple times during the match, which kind of made me think for a second... Champa just may get involved in this match. I was thinking, I was really thinking, I'm like, they really want Champa to get involved, don't they? They really want to get Champa involved. It was one of those things where I'm thinking, they, will they? Would they? Should they? Could they? A lot of, lot of, lot of questions there. So after they had a shot of uh, Champa from the rafters, Dream then rolls and handsprings to wrench. Gargano rings him out. Dream then cartwheels, though, and slaps the living shit out of Gargano mouth. Just straight, just hit him with a... I can't get it out loud. I'm trying to get the audio. Something like that. Reverberated throughout the crowd. Crowd hit, hit him with the Ric Flair. Um, Gargano bailed outside to compose himself. Dream dares Gargano to return into the ring, but Gargano's now starting, taking his time. Of course, it's champion's advantage... Dream has to be Gargano. I'm going to take a sip of water real quick. Mm. So, moving on later into the match. Uh, after a one count, after um, a big axe handle from Dream, he's staying on Gargano as he swivels the hips. He drop kicks Gargano into a corner, drags him back up for forearms. Gargano is staggering to another corner, but Dream forearms him stiff right in the back. Gargano hits Dream with a chop. Hits him with a second chop. Then Iris whips Dream into the corner. Dream boots him away. He then hops up where Gargano yanks him right off. Dream starts floundering and Gargano begins kicking him in the ribs. And that was part of the story for the match. He then drags him up, hits some haymakers. He then bumps Dream off the turnbuckles and snap measures him out with a drop kick. Goes to the cover that got a two count. Gargano starts egging Dream on now and avoids Dream's attacks from the mat. He's starting to throw... Uh, he was on, it, on one knee trying to throw punches, and Gargano was just standing over him, just egging him on to hit me. Come on. So he stands Dream up, brands his shoulders in. He then, uh, of course, fans start to rally again with dueling chants. Gargano hits him with another chop, hits him with a second chop. Dream hits a haymaker, and now they're starting to brawl. Gargano rocks Dream with haymakers, grinds his boot into his neck. The referee counts. Um, the five count, Gargano backed off at four. He then brought Dream up, turns him for a neck breaker. That only got a two count. Uh, he starts toying with the Dream while he's stomping him down. He drags Dream around, toying with him even more. Uh, one, part of the, one part of the match that I really, really liked, <coughs> excuse me, um, was Gargano trapped in arm and has uh, Dream back in a chin bar. He then... Twist his arms around from wrist to shoulder. Uh, he goes for the cover. Mate, only got a two count out of it. Dream scrambled away to a corner, but Gargano ramps the, wraps the arm around the ropes. He is now going after Dream's arms, trying to make sure he doesn't hit that purple rainmaker, or at least making it hurt a lot more than it probably would if it wasn't that. So he lets go at four. Pulls Dream back against the ropes into a motorcycle stretch. Let's up at four again. Puts Dream in the corner. Hits another chop. Um, Gargano starts swinging again. Dream dodges. Throws a haymaker. Whips corner to corner. 
Gargano hits the reverses, sending Dream out hard. Uh, Gargano starts soaking up the cheers, and Dream's on the outside. Gargano gets Dream, starts throwing haymakers, brings Dream into around the corner. He puts Dream in the front row and just chops him over and over and over. This was a, an amazing, amazing match. And I'm trying to find the spot here that I really love the most. But if we get there, we'll get there. So right after that, so he returns. Dream starts throwing hands. Gargano Haymakers, Dream again. Wrenches the arms into a modified abdominal stretch, which is really nice. Dream gets out of it, starts throwing hands at Gargano. Gargano dodges, hits a ripcord. Goes for the ripcord, only to get a spine buster. Both men are down. Uh, then Dream and Gargano slowly stand up. Dream hits Gargano. Gargano hits back. They hit. They start. Uh, he hits Dream. Dream hits a with a uh, chop to the throat. He then elbows and haymakers are getting more gain, some speed. He whips him. Whips Gargano's. Gargano's reverses only Dream. Only for Dream to kick him away. Hits the boot. He then close gar- clotheslines Gargano out of the ring. Goes up to the top rope. Goes for the. Uh, Axe handle, hits it, puts in, puts Gargano in again, goes for the PK, he misses. Gargano denies the sidewinder. Gargano rolls Dream. Dream rolled through, but as he was trying to go for the kick, he got caught in a Famouser, and surprisingly, that got a two count. We then go back to a shot of Champa still watching from the shadows as Gargano puts Dream in the corner. He puts a... Uh, Dream throws forearms, hoists Gargano back up top. Dream rocks Gargano with an uppercut, climbs up in the top rope. Goes for the fireman's carry. Looked like he was going for the Dream Valley driver. Gargano sunset, uh, sunset flip through, going for the sunset flip powerbomb. Dream denies the powerbomb. Gargano dodges the punch, super kicks his legs out, and drags Dream out. It's a draping sidewinder. That was crazy. That only got a two count. Later on in the match, um, they start. They stop. They're pretty much down at this point. They start heading for each other. They stand. Dream knees low. Hits a, knee, a, a low knee. Dream goes for the whip. Gargano reverses again. Dream tumbles to the apron and haymakers Gargano anyway. Gargano gets to the apron. Super kicks Dream right back in. Goes for the slingshot. I believe slingshot spear catches a haymaker from Dream. He goes back to the apron. Drapes drags Gargano up. Goes for the Dream Valley driver again. Gargano fought out of it once more. Swinging, it's a swing kick on Dream. Goes for it. Looks like he was going for a dive. He rams Dream into the barriers, throws him into the ring, hits the goes for the slingshot spear, and he gets kneed right in the face. Goes for the Oklahoma Road. Two count. Sidewinder got hit. That only got a two count. Dream doesn't get frustrated though. Goes up top for the purple rainmaker. He misses it, but catches a super kick that only got a two count. Like I said, this match was freaking crazy. The ending, the ending was insane. Gargano climbs up. Dream hurries after him, drags himself up. Gargano headbutts Dream down back to the mat. He rocks, Dream rocks Gargano with a haymaker. He sits Gargano up, hops up to join him, goes for the Super Dream Valley driver. Gargano begins fighting back with elbows. Dream hits the Super Dream Valley driver. That got a two count. The crowd is going crazy, screaming, this is awesome. 
Dream goes back to the corner, goes back up top, aims at Gargano. Gargano rolls out of the ring, the veteran move. He goes for the leap anyway and eats a super kick. He then shoves, Gargano then shoves Dream into the steps, hits a snap suplex on the ramp, brings Dream back into the ring, hits the slingshot DDT, and still only a two count. The crowd is, I'm beside myself. The crowd is beside themselves. They're chanting NXT. Gargano gets up, drags Dream up. Gargano hits a left-hand lariat, staggers Dream over and over. Dream still hits a super kick. Gargano comes back with a clothesline. He then goes to the corner. Dream dared him to do it. He runs in right into a fireman's carry, slips out, hits a super kick, goes for the tilt of world, hits the Dream Valley driver, rolls through, hits a second, goes up top, hits Purple Rainmaker. One, two, three. Your winner and new NXT North American champion. The Velveteen Dream. The Dream is finally North American champion. I couldn't be happier for the Dream. It has been a long time coming for Velveteen to get a championship belt around his waist. I am so happy that he's got it. It's unfortunate that Gargano's reign was so short. Um, I know a lot of people had posted this as a spoiler. And to those of y'all who did that, y'all suck. But now, Gargano and Dream are now going separate routes. Where do you go from here? Of course, you're going to have a rematch for the NXT North American Championship. But the most surprising thing about this match is that no Champa involvement at all. No Larray at all. It was one-on-one. Dream beat Gargano clean. Definitively, too. In a great, great match that I may consider for match of the year candidate. When all is said and done in 2019. That was a great ending to a great episode of NXT. We're going to take a quick break. Pay some bills. And we're going to talk about the highlights of NXT UK. I know usually we go over the entire show, but there were only a couple things that I really enjoyed from the show. So like I said, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about some NXT UK. Stay tuned. And we are back on the podcast talking about now NXT UK. And I'm not going to take much time on this because I just want to talk about the highlights of this episode. Uh, there wasn't a lot of matches. There were, I believe, yeah, three matches. Um, Let's start with, of course, the main event. Of this particular episode, uh, Tony Storm versus Rhea Ripley for the NXT UK Women's Championship. Out of the three matches that they've had, this, if I had to put it in order, I would consider their third matchup the second best of the three. Um, their weakest match being the the rematch. Um, when Tony Storm defeated Rhea Ripley to become the NXT UK Women's Champion. I thought that wasn't 
it was a good match overall. But I think when you compare it to their third encounter, their third and final encounter, I think this match actually was better than their second. And their first mm-hmm. match was actually a lot better. And I love their first match out. Especially the fact that Rhea Ripley became the first ever NXT UK Women's Champion. This is a this was a good match though. This is a really this is a much more hard hitting affair than their previous match. A lot of strong style, a lot of just back and forth action. Just you know, it was just fantastic to watch a trilogy like uh with Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley. Putting everything on the line, especially doing it in Phoenix. Just overall, probably one of my favorite matches so far. Probably one of my favorite feuds, actually, I should say. In NXT UK so far. Especially two ladies from Australia. um, Just putting it all out on the line. And... Excuse me, really showing that these two could be cornerstones of the division for the foreseeable future. Now we have Tony Storm at, as the Queen of the Mountain holding the NXT UK Women's Championship. And you have that thought of where does Rhea Ripley go from here now after losing the championship? She lost the title, got a rematch, and she lost her chance to regain her, time, her championship. I'm not exactly sure where they go with Ripley at this point, but I wouldn't be surprised if she gets into another solid secondary feud within the women's division. As far as Tony Storm goes, Tony Storm versus Ginny is where I think they're going to go. I mean, it seems kind of obvious at this point. Um, they're really pushing Ginny to become the next in line. She did have a little uh, thing with Isla Dawn for a little bit. And she's been putting on some of the best stuff I have seen as of late for a possible contender to the NXT UK Women's Championship. What I also enjoyed um, from the women's division was um, two things. They actually had Nina Samuels actually gain a feature of this. And, um, what I, and I know that Nina Samuels and Jenny... Had a bit of a feud um, in progress when the House of Couture actually broke down. Uh, Laura DiMatteo actually came back into the House of Couture. And then it got to a point where Ginny and Laura turned on the remaining members of uh, the House of Couture. I believe Chikara is actually the other girl's name who I had been forgetting for the longest time. Uh, Nina Samuels and Charlie Morgan. The two that... um, same as in Morgan Hatton, I went up against Ginny and DiMatteo uh, in progress. And then Ginny took on Nina Samuels, I believe, at this past chapter 84. I believe this was uh, either last weekend. Actually, no, this was actually yesterday. They had uh, chapter 84 in progress. So they're really beginning to set up cornerstones of the division. Your Ripley's, your Storm's, Ginny. Nina Samuels is now starting to get a look. And I'm really, I really do like Nina Samuels. I think she's one of those ladies in the division where we don't know enough about her, but we can begin starting to get to know her as well. They did it with Isla Dawn 
uh, doing her vignettes with her. Nina Samuels is now starting to get, uh, having her vignettes, and they're having like the Nina Samuels show, uh, the Rose Pink Devil. You know, she's finally got a nickname, someone of an identity. So they're really starting to build on the division. What I really like in terms of the women's division was the fact that we now have Kaylee Ray. If you remember, the, if you don't know the name, you, you might want to refresh your memory. If you remember the first annual Mae Young Classic, KLR was actually in that tournament. And she put on a decent showing for the crowd. And she's been a major cornerstone in ICW. Um, I believe as of right now, she's still your current reigning and defending ICW Women's World Champion. I think she had a defense uh, ICW's last show. I'm not exactly sure. But now, because it was at TakeOver Blackpool where they actually featured her. Her and Jazzy Gabber. Um, I didn't see that. They actually had a, a little feature that they usually do when they're bringing in new, new talent for the developmental brand. Um, and what I did like about her promo is that, you know, she said it's not confidence. You know, what makes KLR the best woman in NXT UK already? It's not confidence. It's not her red hair. It's not even that she's Scottish. It's that she's smart. She'll show everyone around the world what she can do. She had to watch and wait. But that means she knows what everyone is capable of. It doesn't matter if it's Storm, Ripley, or any of these other girls. It only matters that Kaylee Ray is here now. And I really like Kaylee Ray. I'm a big fan of Kaylee Ray's. She's got the look. She can definitely bust her ass in the ring. She's had matches with Viper before. Um, Piper Niven, uh, who you remember in uh, from the Mae Young Classic. She's had really good matches, a feud with her. Uh, Casey Owens, if you remember her, I believe uh, she was on. She was in NXT UK a while back, um, working a match. So, and those three, and those three alone were actually cornerstones in ICW's women's division for the longest time. So, now seeing talent, you know, like I said, from an ICW, an OTT, a Progress, a WXW, where they had, you know, a Killer Kelly um, who was actually the first ever WXW Women's Champion, if I'm not mistaken, in 2017? The hell? Oh, that was mine. That was somebody else's phone. Um, but just knowing that they're now really starting to build the, the women's division. They already had, you know, Zaya Brookside, and they had Ripley and Dakota Kai and Millie McKenzie, Jenny, Tony Storm. All, all these ladies, and now they're bringing in more talent, and the more talent they bring in, and I've stated this before, the more talent they bring in, the more you build this women's division up. It's only going to show later on down the line, you know, how far these ladies can go. I mean, the, there's a lot of untapped talent in the UK, and if you are a fan of, of course, the ICWs, the Progresses, and all of that, you know, you already know these names, but I think now it's time for the ladies in NXT UK to let the world know what's up. I think, you know, the the world is ready for the NXT UK Women's Division. Sure, you know Rhea Ripley. You know Tony Storm and you know Ginny. Those are three of the mainstays there. You know Isaiah Brookside now. But you're going to start knowing, knowing about Jazzy Gabbard, Kaylee Ray. Um, of course, if they, uh, Casey Owens gets, gets signed to NXT UK, you're going to know about her. There's a lot of untapped talent. That is going to be coming through the woodwork in NXT UK. I think in 2019 is going to be a great year for the ladies of NXT UK. 
Jordan Devlin actually had a promo in this episode saying, this is the Irish Ace, Jordan Devlin, back in beautiful Bray County, Whitlow, Ireland. Fresh off another MVP performance in the World's Collide tournament. I think he was uh, involved in like this. Uh, I didn't watch the tournament, but he had a great showing in that tournament. But he says that Travis Banks had to stick his nose in Devlin's business. And he says he'll make this clear. Grow eyes in the back of your head. They're far from through. So it looks like Devlin and Banks do have some unfinished business against each other. I'm very surprised that, you know, this really hasn't come to a head as of yet. Maybe they're building it towards an NXT UK takeover. I wouldn't be surprised if that may be an actual deal between the two. And it could lead to a really good match um, somewhere down the line between the two. I re- I'm really loving this feud. Um, Banks, of course, a big name in the UK. Devlin, of course, uh, you know, becoming a huge name. Um, of course, after the... NXT UK began, of course, having to face uh, Pete Dunne for the NXT UK Championship, having a great match with Pete Dunne for that title, even though it wasn't a losing effort. He's been killing it ever since. I love, I'm, I'm, like I said before, I'm a fan of Jordan Devlin's. He made me a fan of him, and I'm, a, and I'm a big fan of Travis Banks. So to see these two guys, two guys that I really dig, going at it against each other, and I'm telling you, if NXT UK doesn't start getting a Commonwealth Championship popping in 2019, I'm going to keep saying it. Banks Devlin would be the perfect feud for a mid card championship. This just has mid card title match written all over it. So I'm really excited to see what happens now in the future for these two guys. Another thing I was very excited about was seeing Jack Gallagher in NXT UK. He was actually doing a backstage interview with NXT UK. And he says, um, you know, he was at the uh, he was last in NXT UK at the World Albert Hall, and he was involved in the inaugural UK Championship tournament. He said he said that he sees NXT UK making history itself, but he was asked, "Will he be joining for more action?" And he stated that that was a question for John Lee Saint, the GM of NXT UK, to actually answer. And we actually got our answer this coming Wednesday. John Jack Gallagher. Almost said Johnny Gallagher. That wouldn't be cool. Jack Gallagher will be in NXT UK programming. I forget who he was facing, and I'm kind of mad that I forgot because I'm that kind of. I really like to relate that. But knowing that Jack Gallagher, one of the premier talents that I feel is underrated, going to be in NXT UK just adds to the depth of the roster, and it, it's really cool to see guys now like a Gallagher who was on 205 Live. Well, I feel it's totally underutilized. That's not a knock on 205 Live. It's just they have a lot going on with that. Going over to NXT UK in front of the home country, in front of the home crowd, and just getting the love. And I'm sure he's going to put on a great performance this coming Wednesday. I'm very excited for that. I can't freaking wait to see John, Jack Gallagher. I'm going I'm to keep saying I saw Johnny say that. I'm on the tablet. That's why I said Johnny Gallagher. I can't wait to see Jack Gallagher in action again. It's been a long time since I actually seen Jack Gallagher compete in a ring. Um, I like I said, I don't watch 205 Live as often ever since they went back to uh, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. on the WWE Network. That's not a plug, but this, uh, but I am a big fan of Gallagher's, and I can't wait to see him back in the ring. Joseph Connors 
is at the was at the UK Performance Center speaking on breaking the shiny new toys. That's been his thing for the longest time now. Saying that, of course, bringing up the fact that he lost to Legero, and he told him, and he told the reporter to stop right there. He said that he and Legero have a long history, but he will tell everyone that his loss was just an off day, and those off days are long behind him, and that he's more focused than ever, and he will show everyone that he always has and always will be better than the Leeds Luchador. So we get to see, so we're hopefully getting to see Joseph Connors and the girl. That's a lot, on, and that's why I'm loving NXT UK right now. They're still young in their history. I think they're only in like 30-something episodes in their um, in the company for the brand itself. So to see, you know, still see a matchup like a Joseph Connors versus Legero, two guys that I've seen personally in Defiant Wrestling before, even before that, it was when it was WCPW. Um, Joseph Connors, when he faced Pete Dunne for the, I believe it was the NXT UK, uh, WWE UK Championship, uh, when it was still in progress. That was a pretty cool thing to see. That was actually a really good match between those two. So to see this, it's going to be a nice little interesting uh, lower mid-card feud. Um, I'm thinking Joseph Connors is going to get a win over Legero to make up for the loss that he had to Legero a while back. And I'm, I just can't wait to see the evolution of Joseph Connors to see how much more evil he can be. That or how, much time, how many more times they actually call him Judas while he's performing in the ring. Either way, it's going to be a really good time with that. A surprising moment that I had saw was actually seeing Shane Thorne as a singles competitor. It feels like it doesn't feel right. I don't know. Ever since ever since they released Nick Miller from NXT, it kind of feels like something missing from Shane Thorne. I loved. TM61 is a tag team. I felt like they had such promise in NXT um, and having a chance to gun for the NXT Tag Team Championship. Then again, I say that for a lot of talents on the brand because I want to see the talent prosper. I want to see them grow and build a foundation and build on that foundation and get better and better with every month and year that they are involved in the show. Sometimes things happen. Uh, You know, sometimes, you know, Management doesn't see see something in one person over the other. It's happened time and time again over the years, forever and ever when it comes to tag teams. You know, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, they, they were the Rockers. Shawn Michaels finally turned on Marty, and, you know, Shawn Michaels became the star that and the legend that he is today. That's not to say that Thorne and Miller was on that side, but it kind of worries me that, you know, I don't know what, you know, I mean, he has the worst of NXT gimmick. You know, you know, he sees, you know, he sees the worst. And I don't know how the, how that's going to work. I mean, he did have a decent match against Trent Seven in his first I believe that was his first um matchup as a singles competitor. It was a decent match with Trent, you know, they actually did, you know, well with each other. Uh, the chemistry was there. They had good decent chemistry. I'm just concerned about Shane Thorne's future as a singles competitor. I'm a little worried. 
you know, especially, like I said, after Nick Miller got released, I was thinking, hmm, you know, why weren't they just released together? I mean, you know, outside of, you know, TM61, they were known as TMDK, the Mighty O'Neill, a great tag team, you know, over in Japan. They were a great tag team, and I've seen plenty of their matches over in Japan, but they really made a name for themselves. Then to have them go into, you know, NXT, kill it over to NXT, but I didn't think they ever got their, their just due on the yellow and black brand. And then Nick Miller gets released, and now we are here with Shane Thorne. I hope the best for Shane Thorne. I hope he, you know, I'm not saying this is like a motivating factor, but I hope he does well in his singles run. Maybe they might use him as a lower mid-card guy. Who knows what will happen with Thorne, but it's definitely something I would definitely keep an eye. I would be keeping an eye on. It's not that I don't have faith in the brand. It's just I'm confused as to why they, you know, if they were going to release Miller, why wouldn't they release Thorne as well when they are already a tag team? We'll see what happens with Thorne in the weeks and months to come. The last thing I want to get into before we close out this NXT UK highlight review was the opening tag match between Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster versus the Coffee Brothers. I keep saying Mark Andrews is the greatest opening match wrestler in NXT UK, hands down. I mean, he has matches with Davey Eichner. You know the deal. But to see the Coffee Brothers tag up again after Joe's loss to Pete Dunne at NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool was very is a very good move on, I believe, on NXT UK's part because the Coffee Brothers together are beasts. They've been they were beasts in ICW when they were tagging there. I believe as of right as of right now that I know, because I think they just had um I think the square go is coming up. And I know Joe Coffee was supposed is supposed to be defending the championship against Ilya Dragonoff, which if you never heard of Ilya Dragonoff, that guy is a freaking beast of a wrestler. His Umbisi bar gimmick, the invincible gimmick, he is a freaking nut job when it comes to the ring. But as far as I know, I believe Joe Coffey is defending the Zero G Championship against Dragonoff. And I can't and if I ever get a chance to see that match, I'm going to absolutely lose my shit. Because that's gonna be that's, those two, both of those guys can go. But to see the Coffee Brothers back in the swing of things, back as a tag team, back makes me start, makes me, it gets my wheels turning a bit. It makes me like think, I'm like, man, they're, I think they're going to start gunning, you know, for those tag team championships. And like I said, you have your tag team division there. You have Gallus, you have Morgan Webster, Morgan, Morgan Webster and Andrews. You have uh, Mustache Mountain, the current tag team champions, Zach Gibson and uh, James Drake, who had a really good promo. In Phoenix, and of course, you know, Lorcan and Birch are going to be are, are gunning for those tag titles. Uh, and I think they're, you know, if I remember correctly, they're going to be facing each other next, this coming Wednesday for the tag team championships. So I can't wait to talk about that. And we'll, and I'll get into that at the end of the show. But this was a really hard hitting matchup between these four guys. These guys, I mean, there's a lot of good tag team moves. You had the, um, the standing 450 from uh, with Andrews and Webster, that was a really good spot. You know, just 
Mark and Joe showing off their uh, their strength, being the just hitting the ever living crap out of Morgan Webster and Andrews. Pop up the pop up European uppercut, between, uh, from uh, the Coffee Boys. I think the Coffee Brothers are going to be a, a very formidable tag team going into as we go deeper into twenty nineteen, as we start getting into like the spring and the summer months, because you know once we hit summer. That's when it starts. That's when shit starts getting crazy because you got to think too. We got takeover. Uh, I think takeover Los Angeles for SummerSlam, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm sure NXT UK will have, we have another takeover sometime in the spring, maybe early summer. Who knows? But if there's one thing I do know is that the Coffee Brothers are going to have a say in getting in being a challenger to. Gibson and Drake, as long as they remain NXT UK Tag Team Champions. They've said this is their kingdom. They are gallus. They are confident. They are brash. You know, it's time now. I think we start seeing that. And hopefully, and I definitely have to go back and watch uh, Pete Dunn versus Wolfgang. Because I heard that match was freaking awesome. And I'm thinking, you know. Gallus, if Gallus wants to have their kingdom, now they can start doing it. So it was unfortunate that I and I had Joe Coffey becoming the NXT UK champion. Completely forgot about Walter. But right now, if the, the tag team division is the way to go, the Coffey brothers are going to start dominating that tag team division. As, a, as a, the episode itself was a really, really good episode. I always, always say, you know. Why not, you know, start getting into an NXT UK? If you've never started, if you've never seen NXT UK before, now is the perfect time with, you know, Gallagher now coming over. Shane Thorne, you know, being a part of the mid card in NXT UK. You have Travis Banks taking on Devlin more than likely once again. Legero taking on, you know, Joseph Connors. We're getting the tag team title match between Lorcan and Birch and, you know, Grizzle Young, the Grizzle Young veterans. That's going to be a dope matchup coming this week. Andrews and Webster, um, you know, Gallus. You know, the Women's Championship was that, like I said, the Women's Championship was a really dope match. Uh, it's really, it, it, the crossovers between NXT, NXT UK, and 205 Live right now is really solid. And I really like that they actually have that incorporate with each other, especially since they're since they had their Phoenix tapings um, already go down. And I I really want to go back and watch Jenny versus Mia Yim because um, I was just really hype about that match. And I'm really bummed out that I didn't see that match. Mm, excuse me, but that is your NXT UK highlights review. Um, I'm really I'm, like I said, really good. It was a really really good show, and I would definitely go back and watch that episode because it was a really, really good episode. And I can't wait for this, this upcoming week's episode. Like I said, uh, Grizzly Young Veterans versus Logan and Birch. That's going to be a solid main event that I can't wait to see. You get Jack Gallagher coming out. Um, maybe we get Connors versus the Garrow this week. Who knows? But that is your NXT UK review.
Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 54 of the Young Lions Perspective. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for taking out episode 54 of the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Now, if you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions Perspective, yes, I'm switching it up on y'all. Follow me on my social media on Twitter at SwaySanitarWWI and on Instagram at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective. I do live tweeting. I'm doing um, a live tweet for Raw tonight. I also do live tweet during SmackDown Live, NXT, NXT UK, and every live WWE pay-per-view that goes down the pike. That also includes NXT UK takeovers now and, of course, every NXT takeover. You know how that goes. Now, if you want to check out this episode again, or any of the other 53 episodes, including the two Secret Files episodes that I have, including the one that I just posted yesterday, but you don't have the Anchor app, well, no worries. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam, nine platforms to find the podcast, so there's no excuse to check out this episode and any of the other episodes of the podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend to check out the Young Lions Perspective podcast. Share it across all your social media, your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Tumblr, your Bumble, whatever. Let the people know that the Young Lions Perspective, especially on the road to WrestleMania, is your alternative for professional wrestling podcasts and that we are here to stay i believe i got all my obligations done let me make sure check we're good guys episode 55 will be coming to you sometime this week i believe more than likely this friday uh more i'm not sure if it's going to be an nxt nxt uk review i may do it separately as long as you follow me on my social media, guys, you will stay up to date with everything that goes on with the podcast. Until next time, guys, for episode 55, enjoy the rest of your night. Enjoy Raw. Enjoy Ric Flair's 70th birthday celebration. Until next time, guys, see ya!